So you're going to hear a lot of different numbers thrown out about J&J. When you listen to the news, you're hearing numbers like 67%, 71%, 85%. If you take a look at everyone that's received the J&J vaccine, nobody has been hospitalized or have died from COVID from the vaccine. Well, that's the key right there. And that is the most important endpoint. Whatever vaccine is available to you, it's important that you take it and you build that level of defense so you don't get hospitalized and, and you, don't, you don't die. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I am your host, Chris Kazuski, and uh, I have a special guest here with us again, a returning guest, uh, Dr. Onesis Steffes, who is uh, the Chief Pharmacy Officer for Northwell Health. Welcome, Dr. Steffes. Great. Thank you very much, Chris, and thank you for having me today. Yeah, uh, you actually came on, I believe it was in January, and you discussed the mRNA vaccines for COVID-19. And Today, we have some good news. Johnson & Johnson, we have a third vaccine against in this battle against COVID-19. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, we're very excited about the addition of uh, the J&J COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, the more manufacturers we have out there, the more vaccines, the quicker we can get people vaccinated and the quicker we can move past this pandemic. So uh, very excited about having this new vaccine on board. Uh, this vaccine also provides additional flexibility and utility as compared to the other vaccines that are currently out there. Uh, the J&J &J vaccine only requires one shot, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, every dose will go to uh, one person uh, that will get vaccinated to fight against uh, the COVID-19 virus. Uh, the other thing which is really important is that it is shipped and stored uh, refrigerated. Where, as you know, with Pfizer, it's the ultra cold freezer at negative right. 70 and Moderna at negative 20. So this now provides more access in the communities. So physician practices that may not have freezers or independent pharmacies now can all receive this vaccine. So now more and more vaccine can go into the community where people are, which would help increase the vaccination rates. Yeah, even like mobile vans can go into communities and do, you know, do the pop-ups, right? Absolutely. And this will really help some of our vulnerable population that can't get to these mass vaccination sites. So the more you go into the community, you work with the community healthcare workers there, people that they're familiar with. I think the higher number of vaccines uh, will be, be able to be provided. Yeah. And uh, I know we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Pfizer, Moderna, mRNA, you know, which uh, just a quick rehash, you know, provides your body with instructions on how to fight COVID-19 should it enter your body. How does Johnson & Johnson work? Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, the Pfizer, Moderna vaccine used mRNA technology. Yeah. And that was new technology that's only been out for a couple of years. But those were the first vaccines that actually approved utilizing mRNA, which sends a message to your cells and instructs them to build the spike protein. What the J&J &J vaccine uses is called a um, viral vector. And this type of methodology of delivering vaccines has actually been around since the 70s. So it, it's true. It's been around for a very long time. People are comfortable with it. And basically what it does is it leverages an adenovirus, which is a very similar virus to the common cold. Uh, the good thing is that they actually um, tweak it a little bit where it can't replicate in your body. So you can't get the common cold from getting this vaccine. And inside that adenovirus is a little piece of the DNA or the genetic material of the coronavirus. So as you get inoculated, um, those adenoviruses uh, enter your cells and then instructs your cells then to um, produce those spike proteins. In a very similar fashion, as you see with the mRNA, your body sees those spike proteins as foreign bodies, builds an immune response to it, and that's how you build the antibodies against the coronavirus. 
So as a coronavirus enters your body, your, they, your body sees that spike protein and attacks it immediately, which then reduces the chance of it being replicated uh, and reduces the chance of getting the COVID-19 disease. So similar fashion, sees the protein, attacks it. You got um, it. But we're not injecting, and I always want to be clear with this stuff, we're not injecting anybody with COVID. That is correct. There is no COVID. You cannot get COVID from this vaccine. You cannot get the common cold from this vaccine. The side effect profile of this vaccine, of the J&J vaccine, is very similar to both Moderna and Pfizer's vaccine. And uh, those were like chills and fever, mm -hmm. potential fever. Yeah, soreness. headache, um, pain at the, at the injection site, fever, chills, all self-limiting typically within a day or two. Okay. And, um, you know, you always hear, or what we've heard about the Pfizer and Moderna, like that second shot is usually when you hear it, you, you would feel it. This obviously being the first shot. So people who are going to get Johnson and Johnson's vaccine, they should expect that this, there's potential that to feel these side effects, like on the front from mm -hmm. the shot. Yeah, absolutely. And these side effects are normal. Uh, and honestly, those side effects are showing that you are building that immune response, right? You're building that defense against that spike protein against the coronavirus. So it's not necessarily a bad thing particularly when it's self-limiting within a day or two. Yeah, I know people who have gotten both uh, rounds of even just Pfizer and Moderna, and they, you know, when they felt the side effects, they, their, their response was, I know it's working, yeah. you know? So I know it's doing something, you're not just yep. injecting me, but uh, there are people who don't have any side effects. Um, what is, uh, you know, we know both Pfizer and Moderna, the efficacy is very high. Mm -hmm. uh, what about J&J? So you're going to hear a lot of different numbers thrown out about J&J. When you listen to the news, you're hearing numbers like, 67%, 71%, 85%, and sometimes even up to 100%. So if you'd like, I could take a moment and kind of break down those different numbers and kind of sure. what it means. And then ultimately, how does that compare to the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine? So when you initially looked at the numbers, it was 67% effective in um, people not contracting the coronavirus across the whole entire study. And the study for the J&J &J vaccine consisted of um, South Africa, South America, and the United States. When you looked at just the subpopulation of the U.S., it was 71% effective in people not contracting the coronavirus. Uh, then when you take a look at people contracting the virus and having severe uh, COVID, it was about 85% effective. Mm -hmm. And if you take a look at everyone that's received the J&J &J vaccine, nobody has been hospitalized or have died from COVID from the vaccine. Oh, that's the key right there. And that is the most important endpoint. You know, the goal is to receive the vaccine to get that level of protection so you don't end up in the hospital and you don't die. So all three vaccines are very uh, equal in efficacy on that specific endpoint. And that's why it's important. Whatever vaccine is available to you, it's important that you take it and you build that level of defense so you don't get hospitalized and and you don't you don't die. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. We, we're already seeing headlines of oh yeah, it's less effective than the other. And uh, honestly, like you just said, I don't think people can be picky at this point. Like just get the vaccine and let's end this pandemic. Yeah, the other important thing to note is that um, when you're doing these studies, it's a specific period of time, right? right? This virus now has evolved. It has mutated, right? We've heard about the UK mutation. We've heard about uh, Brazil, South Africa, even potentially one in New York City. So, you know, we don't even know is if, if you did the Moderna and Pfizer studies today, would it be 95%? If we don't know the answer to that because it's constantly evolving and, and mutating. So that's another important thing. So you really can't compare apples to apples because it's different periods of time in different locations where those studies are done. 
But once again, the most important thing is that if you take any of these vaccines, uh, you know, you're less likely to go get hospitalized or, or die. And that is the most important thing. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, we, we've talked about this before, you know, the true intention of any vaccine is really to prevent severe illness and death. And, you know, Johnson and Johnson looking at those numbers and, you know, uh, and the period in time, it's near a hundred percent. So if not a hundred percent, you know, from the study. So th there is no reason to have any hesitancy or whatever, just get vaccinated. Um, so how many, I, I know, I know, uh, since the rollout began, we're increasing the amount of people who are getting vaccinated with Pfizer, Moderna. Now we have J and J, how many doses are available now and how many will be available moving forward? So from the J and J perspective, they had about 4 million doses that were ready to go when the EUA was, um, approved from there. I believe New York state got about 163,000 of those. Uh, we were one of the first in the state to receive shipments. Uh, we received shipments actually yesterday. So we got our first shipment around uh, 1030 a.m. and we vaccinated our first patient at one o'clock. Uh, within New York State, they're requesting that we utilize the J&J &J vaccine for patients that are getting discharged okay. that are over 65 years old. Because of the uniqueness of the one shot, it's really important that we use those in specific populations that would be very difficult to set up a second shot. So giving the vaccine to a patient that's well enough to receive a vaccine that's leaving the hospital is a great opportunity to continue to vaccinate people and get access to people. Um, other areas where it would be very helpful is the homebound, mm. right? When you have those house call programs and getting that vaccine for those people in those populations because they're highly vulnerable too. So once again, having the uh, easier refrigeration um, makes it more mobile, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, plus, giving it to the populations that are more difficult to get that second shot is just a great opportunity and utility of this vaccine. Yeah, and uh, I, I think um, you know we we all want this to go away, right? We all want it to happen now. But if you if you really think about it, we have to vaccinate our most vulnerable and the people who are most susceptible to some severe illness if they get COVID. Um, you know, you you mentioned that we we started um, vaccinating earlier in the week. Um, you know, is that going to continue to expand throughout the health system as we get more doses or are we st or refining it to different areas? Absolutely. So basically what we did was um, we look at all of our medical data of the people that are within our hospitals and we run an algorithm to say who qualifies, who's over 65, who's afebrile, who came in for a specific condition where, you know, when they're leaving, they would be well enough to receive the vaccine. So now we have a list at every single hospital of patients that we believe would qualify. Uh, prior to discharge, uh, the providers are having conversations with those patients to say, you know, are you interested in getting the shot? And then they're going through all the necessary paperwork, you know, required as if you were going to one of those community pods. And then we're providing them the vaccination uh, before they leave. So uh, currently we got deliveries at three of our locations yesterday, uh, and we're hoping to get uh, more and more deliveries uh, throughout the week. And the goal is to expand it to all of our hospitals across Northwell. Whenever we have an opportunity to vaccinate somebody, we want to take advantage of that opportunity because the goal is to get as much people vaccinated as quickly as possible uh, so we can reach that herd immunity and get past this horrific pandemic. Yeah. And, and when su supply actually does meet up to demand at some point, it's going to. Mm -hmm. um, now, when that happens, are we going to start seeing more, you know, younger people like people in their 20s get vaccinated or even kids? Sure, absolutely. So um, the federal government now is saying that there should be enough vaccine for everybody by May, awesome. which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, 
I know it's difficult to wash your hands and wear your masks and keep socially distant. I know it's been a year uh, of this, uh, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So we're just asking everyone to stay extremely vigilant, continue doing what you need to do until we can get a large percent of the population, until we can get a large percent of the population vaccinated. It's extremely important. Uh, the other good thing to your point is that there are studies going on now for pediatrics. I believe the first studies are looking at 12 and older. I'm hearing over the next three months or so, we should have some clinical data on that. So it'll, it'll be interesting then to continue to expand the population that can receive the vaccine and provide greater support uh, to the population uh, against this, this uh, horrible virus. Yeah, no, I, look, my kids are really young. And uh, if they can go back to school back in September with no worries, I think that would be a good thing for, for me personally and my family, um, you know, as well as a lot of other people out there. Yeah, no, I, I, feel, I feel the same way. You know, a, another common question I get is, you know, um, you know, what vaccine should I get? And, and once again, whatever vaccine is available to you at the time that you can receive the vaccine, it's important to get that vaccine. So if I had an appointment tomorrow, whether it was Pfizer or Moderna or J&J, I would get any one of them. I'd be happy to receive it. Uh, you know, back uh, when I got it, I got Pfizer because that's what happened to be there when I went to the pod to receive my vaccination. So once again, the important thing is to get people vaccinated, to build immunity against this virus and to reduce the outcome of hospitalization and death. It's really important. Right. Are people going to know which locations offering what? Uh, I'm not really too sure how that's going to transpire, to be honest with you. I mean, back when it was Pfizer and Moderna, we um, we did not. Uh, but I don't know, you know what the future brings and if there will be information out you know, pertaining to what uh, vaccine will be available at what pod at what time. I still, still think um, uh, more time needed on that. Okay. And where do you where do you see all this going? Uh, you mentioned the the studies and potentially pediatrics and and having enough vaccine by May. But is it realistic to think that by the summer we can start seeing some normalcy? Uh, I'm hopeful uh, and optimistic. By the summer, we'll start to see a little bit of normalcy. I don't think we're ever going to eradicate the coronavirus. Right. I don't think that that's going to happen. That's just my personal opinion. I feel like it's going to be treated very similar to the influenza virus. Right. It'll continue to mutate. There'll be various different strands. Uh, we'll continue to get vaccines periodically, you know, as required. And at the end of the day, we're going to move into a point where we're managing it very similar to the way we manage the flu. Um, and that's kind of how I see this is progressing in the future. And uh, uh, maybe it, whether it's the J&J &J or uh, an, another single dose uh, vaccine, do you see a situation where it can be, say, like these, if we need a booster shot, like, or uh, it, would this be able to be rolled into one, uh, like a flu vaccine as well as a COVID vaccine all in one shot? Oh, that I'm not 100% sure about. Uh, but I do know that uh, as more mutations come, they'll be able to fine tune the vaccine to include all those different uh, variant strains or mutations uh, that occur to get better protection. Sure. Yeah. And uh, do we see a world where where um, it's part of routine care or like these booster shots? Um, is that is that on the horizon or, or we so. just need more data? I think it's going to be very similar where there's going to be a vaccine schedule surrounding it, just like there's a vaccine schedule for so many other different things. Right. And I just hope people are willing to follow the vaccine schedule. <laughs> um, is there anything else uh, our, our listeners should know about J&J &J before we uh, I mean, start wrapping up? The most important thing is also to, to note that even though it's one injection, you still don't get the full immunogenicity until 28 days later. 
Okay. So don't feel like you get the shot and then, you know, you're fully uh, protected. It does take 28 days for your body to have the appropriate immune response and protection uh, to, um, you know, be 85% against severe COVID and then uh, up to 100% against hospitalization and death. So uh, even after the shot, you know, please continue to keep the same precautions in place. Uh, and then uh, even after that 28 days, uh, you should still continue to wash your hands and wear a mask and socially distant until we get enough of the population uh, vaccinated uh, where we can receive that, that herd immune. Yeah. I mean, look at the precipitous decline in, in positivity. I mean, it fell off a cliff and hope, you know, thankfully so that has to be because of the vaccine. It has to be yeah, the vaccine and the behavioral changes. Right. So, you know, uh, the other thing to note is even though the numbers are going down, even though more and more people are getting vaccinated, it's important that we don't uh, open up things too quickly uh, and that we remain vigilant uh, until we have enough supply to support uh, the population, which hopefully will be in the next couple of months. We, we do like to end on a positive note, and you did allude to some of this, but wanted to give you the opportunity to let us know what, what is uh, bringing your optimism these days. Yeah, so right now I'm very optimistic. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more people get vaccinated. We're seeing the numbers continue to go down. We're hearing from the federal government that there'll be enough vaccine for everybody by May. Those are all really positive things. And we're hearing that people are um, uh, people are, are getting the vaccine and there's not a tremendous amount of side effects. I mean, you take a look at Moderna and Pfizer, over 5 million people have received it. So if there were any of those um, very rare side effects that you would see from anything, you would have seen it by now. Mm -hmm. So that makes me feel really optimistic and feel really good. Uh, and uh, the only other thing I can say is uh, be patient, stay strong, stay vigilant, uh, get the vaccine when you can get it, and then we'll move past this horrible pandemic. Beautiful. Dr. Steffes, thank you again for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk and giving us the lowdown on the COVID vaccines. And to you, the viewer, thank you for tuning in. Remember, stay safe and have a great week. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.